and welcome to Labors in the Harvest with Kevin Folger. This podcast is a weekly conversation about the gospel and the work that God is doing through those who labor for him. Kevin Folger, your host, is a man with over four decades of ministry experience. For 41 years, he served on the pastoral staff of Cleveland Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio. He currently serves as a North America Director of Spiritual Leadership Asia, a ministry that assists those endeavoring to preach the gospel and plant Baptist churches in the 1040 window with a particular focus on Asia. Now here's Kevin with this week's Labors in the Harvest podcast. Kevin Folger with Labors in the Harvest podcast. I want to thank you for taking some time today to uh, join me for my conversation, uh, picking up the second part of my conversation with my good friend, missionary evangelist, pastor at large, Brother Dave Hardy. And um, I've known Brother Dave for a number of years, and um, he's a man who has a few years on me, and I learn much from him every time I sit down and have a conversation or some fellowship. And uh, you're going to be privy to be a part of that conversation today. I want to thank you for taking the time to do so. I hope that you enjoy it. May the Lord bless you for your investment of time. Well, welcome back to Labors in the Harvest podcast. This is Kevin Folger, your host, and we want to thank you for joining us again today. We're in the second week of a conversation that we're having with uh, Brother Dave Hardy. And uh, last week, we started about uh, sharing about his life. And and so we're going to pick up from uh, where we left off last week. Uh, Brother Dave, I want to thank you for being back with us today. Thank you. My privilege. All right. Well, would you uh, kind of, uh, we picked up uh, last week, you were had en- enlisted in the U.S. military, and you were on your way to Connecticut, um, and would you just talk a little bit about your service? Uh, you served, I believe, in the U.S. military on a submarine. Can you talk to us a little bit about that time and what God used and how God used that experience to help shape you? Oh, I'd be glad to, and I, I just have to say right up front, Brother Kevin, that I had no idea when I went in the military, that it would be one of God's major tools of my life. I had to equate it with Bible college and seminary, and maybe even more because it affected more parts of, uh, of my life. So I did, I did uh, go into the Navy and when I was 17 years of age, and after boot camp in San Diego, I went to New London, Connecticut for submarine school. Uh, submarines are different than, uh, you know, most ships, obviously, because of the fact that they travel underwater. And to get into the submarine service, you have to go through pressure chambers to make sure your ears can equalize with pressure changes of a considerable degree. Then you also have to do a free ascent from 100 feet down in water without a breathing apparatus. And um, not only do you have, do you have to do that, you have to blow bubbles out all the way up. Um, and that's hard to do. One thing that it demands that you do is you deny your senses. Because when you start at 100 feet to go up, you're thinking you're going to suffocate. And so your mind is telling you, you got to keep all your air, but you can't. Mm. Because if your lungs are the size, maybe six inches in diameter, when you're at 100 feet, by the time you get to the surface, it'll be 50% larger and you'll be dead because mm. it will burst your lungs. 
So they have a couple of divers there with um, tanks and they go up with you. And if you don't blow bubbles out, they literally will physically belt you one and then you're through. If the diver has to touch you for anything on that free ascent, then you're disqualified. So you do it the first time just to see what you can, then you do a qualifying run. And uh, so it, it, right up front, the Navy was teaching me to deny what I wanted to do and do what I had to do. So after submarine school, I was transferred to Charleston, South Carolina, and my submarine, the USS Senate, S-E-N-N-E-T, that would be SS-408, worked out of the Navy base in Charleston. And I still remember going on board, and it would take more time than we have on the podcast to talk about so many details that God used but I do want to mention that when I went across a gangplank and I looked at that submarine and I thought, well, what a beautiful piece of machinery. And of course, I saluted Old Glory, our flag, and asked permission to come aboard and um, gave them my set of orders. The topside watch took them and asked me where I was from. And, and he said, Hardy, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Texas. And he said, put her there, friend. And he took his hand out and shook my hand. He said, I'm from Texas, too. Well, I thought that was a good start. But then he said, I get off watching about 15 minutes and uh, I want to take care of on a beach and buy you a drink. Well, when sailors say beach, they're not primarily talking about sand. They're talking about the row of bars that are next to the water. And he, and he meant well. I, I want you to know he meant well. But being a Christian, and I thought, Lord, I, don't, I just don't need this right up front. And uh, I guess it's kind of dumb for us to think, the Lord doesn't know what we need or when we need it. But a submarine, you got to realize it's like people being shoved into a room and the door's closed and you're in there for weeks or months together and you have to get along. You can't escape. There's not one place to go be by yourself, not one. And I tried everything. Uh, my wife's waiting on me, this, that, whatever. He said, no, sir, uh, we won't take long. You're from Texas, I'm from Texas. I'm going to take you over and buy you a drink. And I just had to say, I'm a Christian and I'm sorry, but I don't drink anywhere with anybody. I remember his words verbatim and I'll never forget them. They were, I don't like you. <laughs> that, was my, <laughs> that was my introduction to going on the submarine. But now let's move forward because we don't have it so long for that. And just kind of hit some of the highlights. I had been on the submarine, I'm going to guess now from three to four months. You got to realize now I'm 17 years, old, 17 years old. I'm slender of build. I'm just a kid. I really am just a kid. I look like a kid. I was a kid. Someone said, the captain wants to see you in the wardroom. I said, oh, okay. I didn't sound good because I didn't know why. I was kind of fearful. Captains in the Navy literally can marry and bury and I was already married, Brother Kevin. I thought there was one thing left. <laughs> uh, so I went to see him, and the executive officer was there. But this is so interesting to me as I look back, more so than it was then. And he asked me four questions. The, the two of them were there, but the captain was doing his speaking. He said, Hardy, I've been watching you. I said, yes, sir. He said, you don't do drugs, do you? I said, no, sir, I don't. And he said, um, you don't drink. I said, no, sir, I don't. He said, you don't smoke. I said, no, sir, I, I don't. Number four, he said, you don't, um, you don't have any girl pictures on your locker, do you? 
I said, no, sir, I do not. And then he said, I want you to hold religious services on this submarine when it's at sea. Now, this is going to be an odd statement, but somehow God, to a degree, used a lost man to call me into the ministry. Hmm. Now, maybe not call me, but God used him as a tool, if you understand right. what I mean. So really, my first attempt at trying to teach a class, or if you want to call it preaching a service, <laughs> I couldn't probably call what I did preaching. But I did as he said in the, our little mess hall, that's what we call a dining room or whatever, uh, had four tables that would hold six men each. And so there would be room for 24. And amazingly, after just a few weeks, um, that little room was packed out with 24 sailors every Sunday Wow! that we had a service. And I look back on it, I say, only God can can do stuff like that. <laughs> I've had a couple of people say, do you have any sermon notes from those sermons back in those days? I said, absolutely not. They're buried in the depths of the sea with the rest <laughs> of the stands, uh, never to be recovered again. Only God knows what I might would have said, only being saved three years and 17 years of age. Right. So, so that, you... that was a highlight, but it, it was a time of uh, discipline, which I really needed. I wasn't a kid that got in trouble, but I didn't have as much discipline as I needed. And I'm not claiming that I have everything now, but I have so much more than I had. And it was a preparation uh, for the ministry. And let me mention one more thing about that that helped get me ready for the, the ministry. I grew up as an only child. I mentioned that, except my little sister was born three years before I left home. And so I didn't have to get along with anybody. I was the only kid. I had my things and I put them where I wanted them and nobody touched them. And in other words, I had the reign of the house. We didn't have big house, but it was, it was my house. But you know, when you're in the ministry, you have to learn to get along with all kinds of people. And I know that God put me in the Navy for that. And I didn't know until, or couldn't verbalize it until I think it was a USS Corpus Christi was being um, launched. And they interviewed the captain and they said, if there's just one thing you have to have to be on a submarine, what is it? He said, you have to have the ability to get along with people. When he said that, I was reminded all over again that if I could be with those people, then that would help me in preparation for the ministry. And it did. Well, that's a wonderful story. I want to say thank you on behalf of all of our listeners for your service to the military and, of course, the, the part that you played in. Uh, in, in the role of our nation. So thanks very much for that. So now you're out of the military and you're, uh, you're, is there a call to preach or when you got out that you feel a comp compulsion to go to Bible college, prepare yourself for ministry? How did that work? <laughs> All these stories are interesting to me, but of course they're mine. And it's like home movies. If you talk about them too much, I guess there I go and there I go again, but I, I did not have a clear call to the ministry. I, I went to Bible college because I did have clear direction from God. I, I just knew without a doubt he wanted me to go. And it's interesting that I'd not been there, but maybe one semester and another young man from Texas said, uh, tell me about your call to preach. And I just kind of looked at him and I said, I, uh, I, I don't know that I have that right now. I know I'm supposed to be in Bible college. 
And he said, not me. Uh, we had an evangelistic meeting. An evangelist came in and I felt called to the ministry. I went down to the altar. I asked the Lord if he wanted me to preach to make my heart beat real fast. And, and it nearly came out of my chest. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And then he said, Lord, I don't want to make a mistake and I don't want to put out a fleece. But if you want me to preach, make my heart beat real slow. And he said, I thought I was going to pass out. Hmm. And I remember walking away from that thinking, what am I doing here? I, I really think you want me here. But it took me a while to learn that God gives us a certain amount of light. And if we follow that, he'll give us more. Right. But he doesn't need to give us any more than what we need for now just to trust him. And I I'm, hate the negative part of it. But that young man, who would have been my friend, didn't didn't last through the second semester, and and then by the time I was graduating from Bible college, I had more light, and I knew that I'd been called into the ministry, and uh, it's been great. So, what, how was your Bible college training? I mean, did you uh, did, did God use certain people in your life while you were there? Uh, certainly, I know there are classes that are taught, and we're we're all developing as we're walking through it, but were there certain professors or uh, a church that you attended that really made an impact on, on those early days of your, your uh, development? Yes, I, it was just a great experience for me. The only downside of probably Bible college, and I suppose nearly every man that goes to one, he has to work a full-time job. I had a wife and a four-year-old son when I went, and I sure wish I'd had more time and having to put in 40 hours a week and sometimes uh, more. Uh, but yes, I had a great church to go to. I went to Seminole Baptist Temple and the pastor's name was Raymond Tracy. And he was a godly man. And so I really enjoyed my time there. And yes, I suppose you always have a few professors. Um, Noel Smith in particular caught my attention who is of course the editor of the Baptist Bible Tribune back then. He was always talking about standing your own shoe leather and uh, you know be your own man and stand tall and um, and I believe he lived that and I believe he was a godly man as well and I would say I learned uh, from every every professor uh, brother Kenneth Gilming was so good with eschatology and things like that and brother Eli Haryo so good with the history. Um, I felt like I did have some good uh, professors. And not only that, I, I made some lifetime friends in Bible college. And I say to Bible college men now, when I'm at Heartland Baptist Bible College, if God's called you to pastor, don't wait till you get a church to start pastoring. Pastor the guys in your dorm room or something. They need encouragement. And what I meant by pastoring was not to take the place of their pastor, but to encourage them and look after them and make a friendship with them. And I still have strong friendships with a number of those men uh, to this day. It was a great experience. Well, there's no, uh, I guess, under evaluating uh, what God does in our life as we walk through these different uh, steps that he takes us. After Bible college was over with, um, what was your next step? Well, I'd been going to Seminole Baptist Temple uh, those years I was in Bible college. And Brother Tracy and I had formed a good relationship. I was as active as I could be and be in college and work a job. And he had told me, he said, I, Dave, I wish we had room for you on staff. We, we really don't. And um, 
So there was another church in town that extended an offer to me. And I had planned to go to Southwest Missouri State for a little while to do some courses and kind of already had that in my mind. And I thought, well, if I'm going to be in a secular college, I certainly would like to be around a church as much as I can kind of balance that out. And I was very much considering uh, taking that offer. It was actually Brother Gilming at Church Street Baptist Church. And uh, I think I was talking to the music director at Seminole or someone. They asked me what I was going to do. And I said, I really wanted to really be part of Seminole. I had this offer. I'm not sure that maybe the Lord would want me to take it. Well, I guess somehow that word got back to Brother Tracy. And so he asked to talk to me again. He said, uh, Dave, I can, I can only pay you $50 a week for part-time work, but that's the best I can do. And, um, but that's what I, I wanted to work with him. And I felt like I should, and I accepted that. And I did go to work for $50 a week, took the college class and was there with him three years. And he was able to pay more uh, the next year or two, and that was good. But that's how I actually got my first uh, experience full-time in the ministry. So after that one, that particular uh, three years was up, is that when you uh, got sense of the call or were called to uh, Tulsa, to Eastland? Well, after that was over, um, and the way it was over, I, I felt after, when I actually went to work, Brother Tracy said, how long do you think you'll want to work here? And I said, I don't know why I'm saying this, Brother Tracy, but somehow three years keeps coming in my head. So I said, maybe I should just say that. Well, sure enough, as uh, three years was coming, I had enjoyed the time. It had been great. But now God was putting in my heart a desire to to be the leader of a church, if he would permit. And so Brother Tracy said, I don't know who I have to replace you. And I love the class. It had really grown. It was a sizable college class, about 200 wow. in attendance. And um, I said, Brother Tracy, I love this class. And I'm not just going to leave. You look for who you want. And when you find the man that you want for this class, you hire him and then I'll get out of the way. It's kind of humorous now I look back. And so he did exactly that. Before he hired someone, churches were open everywhere. Hmm. But when he did hire someone and I left, there weren't any churches open. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, a preacher had called from Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, named Larry Applegate. If maybe someone could come down and fill in for a Sunday. And this is the way I got the information. And so I really didn't ever have a liking for Oklahoma. I was a Texas boy and I grew, I drove on good roads free. And in Missouri, I drove on good roads free. And when I drove through Oklahoma, they were the poorest of roads and they were toll roads and I paid. <laughs> what about my mom's talking about highway robbery when I was a kid and I never understood it till I went to Oklahoma and I just didn't have a love for Oklahoma at that time, but I thought I can do one day. So I did go down for that one day, but my information was not correct. And I don't know how it got tangled up, but Brother Larry Applegate had started the church, had given three years of his life, had done a very commendable job, but the church um, had fallen on hard times financially. And I think he had done the best he could and he actually had resigned, but I didn't know that. 
And so I did speak that Sunday morning and Sunday night, and the people asked me if I'd come back and candidate. And I, I, I guess I got to take another moment. I, I met with the men about four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, that one Sunday before they asked me to come candidate. They just said, would you meet with us? There was like five men. I said, yes, I will. And so I listened to their woes about the finances. It was a church in good shape doctrinally, in good shape um, morally, but in horrible shape financially. But again, when you start a new work, that happens to a lot of people. So they were talking about that. And I mean, it was a very bleak picture. And then they just sat there and didn't say anything. I didn't see myself as part of the picture. And I just said, what are y'all going to do? And there was a man that looked at me named Don Leach. He was from Michigan. One of those people that grace was just dripping off of his face, just a godly, so kind man. And he looked at me and I wasn't a pastor, but he just said, pastor, we don't know what to do. And brother Kevin, you could have shot an arrow through my heart. And I had compassion like I'd never felt before in my life. And then I got a little bit aggravated with God and I didn't point up, but I, but I think I verbally said, you tricked me. <laughs> I didn't want to come to Oklahoma, but I went out to the car. Grace was waiting for me there. And I said, as sure as my name is Dave Hardy, we're going to wind up being at this church right here. And we did. And 30 of the greatest years I think any pastor could have. That's part of that story. Well, it's a wonderful story. We're going to wrap up our segment here today, and we'll pick up the final segment next week. We want to thank our listeners for joining us. And Brother Dave, thank you so much for being a part of this. My privilege. I don't know about you, but I sure find the story of people's lives fascinating. I could spend hours literally talking to Brother Hardy about his life and the journey God has taken him on. But I'm thankful for this particular segment and this part of the conversation in which we talked about uh, how God led him through Bible college and then, of course, through his internship as a an assistant pastor and then on to the pastorate. We're going to pick up our conversation there next week. hope that you'll be able to be back with us. Again, this is Kevin Folger with Labors in the Harvest podcast. I appreciate those that take the time to listen, and I pray that it'll be an encouragement and help to you. Hope that you have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's podcast. If you've been helped, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Please feel free to leave us a comment and or a rating. If you'd like more information about Kevin Folger, please visit his website, kevinfolger.com. We invite you to join us next time with more conversations with Kevin and his guests as they tell their story of being laborers in the harvest.